Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Support for this podcast comes from another podcast. The world's most valuable resource, it's actually data. Our data, based on our behaviors, is frequently being gathered, tracked, stored, and sold. So what does this mean for us? Join host Rafi Krikorian for season two of Technically Optimistic, where he'll take you on a deep dive into how our data is being used and what we can do about it. From social media feeds to foundational human rights, Krikorian leads us into territories both familiar and unexpected with openness and genuine curiosity. New episodes of Technically Optimistic drop every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start, Here's a list of people and organizations we reached out to about this episode of Decoder who refused to talk to us. Fox News, Comcast, the Fraternal Order of Police, former FCC Chair Ajit Pai, Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, Republican Senator Roy Blunt, the Biden administration, Verizon, the former Speaker of the Arizona House, Republican Kirk Adams, former Democratic U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp, FCC Chair Jessica Rosenworcel, and FCC nominee Gigi Sun. It's a wild one. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Decoder. I'm Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge, and Decoder is my show about big ideas and other problems. Today, we're just talking about a problem. And that problem is the Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC. It's currently short a commissioner. And the Biden administration and Senate Democrats just can't seem to get that seat filled despite having nominated an amazingly qualified person. Her name is Gigi Sohn. The inability to get Gigi confirmed at the FCC has left the commission deadlocked with two Democrats and two Republicans. That means the commission in charge of regulating all telecom in the United States, including how you get your internet service, is unable to get much done. And the Biden administration can't accomplish some of its biggest policy priorities, like rural broadband and restoring net neutrality. President Biden first nominated Gigi Sohn to the FCC over a year ago, but the full Senate vote to confirm her just hasn't happened. We've been digging into the story for a few months now, trying to figure out what's going on here. And we found a simple, really frustrating answer. It's corruption. I mean, we can call it a lot of things, but what we're witnessing is just ordinary corruption. That was Carl Bodie. Carl's a veteran telecom reporter. I've known him forever, and he's one of many people we talked to for the story. We're doing something a little different with this episode of Decoder. You're going to hear from a bunch of in-the-know people about what happened to Gigi Stone's FCC nomination and why it matters. The story has some strange crisscross alliances, behemoth bad actors, shady politicking, and even some good old-fashioned family drama. But most of all, it reveals a lot about the huge problems plaguing politics and policy in the United States today. I've covered the telecom sector for, I think, 22 years, and I've never seen uh, anything quite as shady as this. Okay, the fight over Gigi Stone's nomination to the FCC and why it matters. Here we go. This story ends up revealing corruption. 
but it starts with good old-fashioned confusion. It makes no sense that, that this has been uh, so protracted of a nomination process. That's Carl Bodie again. He's talking about Gigi Sun. The thing that's funny to me is that she's, if you talk to anybody in telecom policy, on both sides of the aisle, she's extremely popular. You know, she's well-qualified. We've seen people appointed to the FCC that have a tiny, tiny fraction of the experience. I agree with Carl, and that's why I started tracking the story. I've interviewed Gigi before, and she's even written for The Verge in the past, always about making internet service better and cheaper for regular people. So I've been baffled as to why someone like Gigi Sohn couldn't get confirmed to the FCC. Gigi was nominated to the FCC over a year ago, and throughout her career, she's been popular with just about everyone. She's known as an incredibly talented telecom regulator who's been willing to work across the aisle. Thank you, Chair Cantwell, Member Wicker, members of the committee. I'm honored to be nominated by President Biden and to be considered by this committee for a seat on the Federal Communications Commission. Here's Gigi talking about her background at her first confirmation hearing in December 2021. The radio was always on in my family kitchen, where reports from the front lines of the Vietnam War, Watergate, and other critical events of the 60s and 70s resonated. It was there that I learned the power of communications networks to inform public discourse and promote democratic values. My love of local broadcasting, and especially radio, led me to Boston University, where I studied communications law and policy. After school and private practice, I started what has been an over 30-year career as a public interest lawyer, advocating for policies that ensure that modern communications networks are available to everyone, regardless of who they are or where they live. Gigi is a lawyer by training. She's currently a fellow at Georgetown Law and the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society. She co-founded and ran Public Knowledge, an organization that advocates for consumers in the telecom industry. I've talked with lots of folks from Public Knowledge over the years. You've heard some of them on this show. Given that the FCC is supposed to advocate for consumers, she seemed like a natural choice to be a commissioner. Plus, she's worked at the FCC before. She advised former Chairman Tom Wheeler during the Obama administration when the FCC adopted its strongest ever net neutrality rules. Here's the thing. When you talk to people about Gigi, if you were talking to them, Republicans, Democrats, a year ago, um, maybe a little over a year ago, everyone loved her. That was McKenna Kelly. She's a politics reporter on The Verge team. Telecom lawyer David Goodfriend said something similar. Thousands of people have actually reached out to their members of Congress to say, we need you to confirm Gigi Sohn. And so did Craig Aaron. Craig is the co-CEO of Free Press, which advocates for competition in media and an open internet. Here's some of what he had to say about Gigi. She's, you know, been a consistent advocate for what's right time and time again, uh, and also been someone who's shown she can work with just about anybody across the political spectrum, public interest, corporate interest, you name it, to get good things done. That's the kind of person you need at an agency like the FCC. One more person expressed his support for Gigi. Hey, Chris. Hi, can you hear me? Chris Ruddy, the CEO of Newsmax. Yep, conservative cable network Newsmax is a vocal supporter of Gigi's nomination. I have strongly supported her nomination. I've known her for some time. I think she's a person of integrity. Uh, We probably disagree on a lot of issues. In fact, I know we disagree on any number of big issues. Um, uh, she would probably identify herself as liberal, I think, maybe progressive, and I would say I'm conservative. Uh, am I going to agree with her on every issue? No, but I do think the fact that every major big company, uh, all the big conglomerates don't like her, 
uh, suggests that maybe she's on a path that's um, at least going to look a little bit more out for the consumer and the and the little guy and gal, so to speak. You'll hear more from Chris Ruddy later. Okay, if this many people on both sides of the aisle love Gigi, why can't she get confirmed to the FCC? When we first started looking at this story earlier this year, it seemed like the Biden administration and its slim Democratic majority in the Senate just couldn't get this done. Because at the time, it really couldn't get much of anything done. A lot of the Democrats' biggest policy priorities were stalling out. Then, around the summer, things changed. Where there appears to be a breakthrough on President Biden's economic agenda. President Biden signed the $280 billion Chips and Science Act into law today. A flurry of big legislation passed. You've got the Chips Act the president signed today, the PACT Act, which he'll sign here tomorrow, and then by the end of the week, the Inflation Reduction Act. The usual holdouts like Senators Manchin and Cinema got on board, and the Dems were getting things done. The biggest U.S. investment ever to help fight climate change passing the House, the Inflation Reduction Act, now headed to the president's desk. But there was still no movement on Gigi. It's around this time that we finally got to the bottom of why. Gigi Stone is a manifestation of a much bigger tug of war going on right now uh, between a very small number of extremely powerful corporate interests and the public interest. That's David Goodfriend, the telecom lawyer again. David previously worked at the FCC, and he's also known Gigi for a long time. There are really two companies that have been literally financing uh, a campaign to stop the Senate from confirming Gigi Sohn. And those two companies are Rupert Murdoch's 21st Century Fox and Comcast. Those two companies have paid for lobbyists to actively court swing votes in the Senate against Gigi Sohn. We promised crisscrossed alliances, and here they are. Rupert Murdoch, who controls Fox News and the Wall Street Journal parent company News Corp, is on the same side as the Roberts family and Comcast, which owns MSNBC. These are not your usual allies. It's bizarre that Comcast and the Fox News machine have teamed up to obstruct Gigi. And David Goodfriend told us that Comcast is lobbying against her in two politically critical states. Comcast hired a lobbyist in West Virginia who used to serve as chief of staff to uh, Senator Manchin back when Senator Manchin was governor. Senator Manchin has not said one way or the other which way he intends to vote. And that's because his former chief of staff was hired by Comcast to lobby him uh, against Gigi. The same thing happened in Arizona, home of centrist Democratic Senator Kirsten Sinema. Back in January, Comcast hired a lobbyist in Arizona named Kirk Adams of Concilium Consulting. And Adams filed a lobbying disclosure, which, of course, he's required to do. And it listed on his very own disclosure that he expects to work on FCC nominations. He then quickly recanted that and replaced it with telecommunications policy. Well, um, Comcast refused to comment, but uh, I think the article in Ars Technica points out that this was pretty clearly an attempt by Comcast to swing Senator Kristen Sinema's vote against uh, Gigi Stone. So they've done it in Arizona, they've done it in West Virginia, and they're hoping that they can stave off enough Democratic votes in the Senate to stop her from being confirmed. 
By the way, this is where I should disclose that Comcast's NBCU division is a minority investor in the Verge's parent company, Vox Media, which we disclose all the time. Now you know. Anyway, while Comcast was busy lobbying politicians, Fox News and The Wall Street Journal, which are both owned by Rupert Murdoch, were actively running negative stories about Gigi. Carl Bode told us about this too. All of the Fox properties have been very active in pushing things, ideas, false ideas like uh, Sohn hates the police, she'd be bad for rural America, she wants to censor conservatives, she's uh, bad for media diversity. I mean, none of these are supported by any facts that you can find if you spend 30 minutes objectively researching a record. Here are just a couple Fox News segments about Gigi. You'll hear one Fox anchor talking to Ted Cruz and another Fox guest referencing the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. So what do you think of this woman, Gigi? Uh, the name sounds a little funky and the glasses make me think twice, but she seems like she has a radical agenda and now she's in charge of this place? Yeah, look, she, she hates Fox News. She has been vocal and partisan a long time. Looking up the word hack in the dictionary, Gigi Sohn's photo should be right next to it. She wants to pull the broadcast license of this network. Gigi Sohn will turn the FCC into the, the CCP. This is a bridge even Pyongyang wouldn't go over. Part of the argument on Fox News is that if Gigi is added to the FCC, she'll somehow censor Fox. But there's no evidence that she has any plans to do that at all. And even if she wanted to, it's not like she could, because that's not a power the FCC has. In fact, the more likely outcome is the opposite, that she would encourage Fox to say whatever they want. Gigi is pretty infamously in favor of free expression online, and the FCC has no control over that. That's Catherine Trendacosta from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. That's not really its job, especially when it comes to telecommunications. Like, the FCC doesn't tell phone companies that if you make a lewd phone call, they have to cut you off of phone service. That's the same bucket that the internet is under, right? So like none of that is related to anything. The FCC is not involved in deciding what speech is or is not allowed on, on the internet, at least. There's a long and complicated tangent we could go down here, but basically the Supreme Court has held that since the public owns the airwaves in the United States, the government can regulate broadcast speech to make sure it's in the public interest. That's where you get the FCC doing things like indecency complaints, the seven dirty words, and fines for Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. Traditional broadcast networks like ABC and CBS are using the public's airwaves, and the government can tell them what's allowed and what's not. But cable networks like Fox and internet companies like Google and Facebook don't broadcast on public airwaves. So there's really no legal basis for the FCC to regulate what happens there. TV and the radio, those are public airwaves that the FCC has granted people permission to use. And so they have certain rules about that because anyone could listen and it's a public space. However... As we all know, like if you're on cable, those rules don't apply because that's not a, a public airwave that has been licensed out. So it's basically that, right? It's the difference between something that is a publicly owned airwave and something that is privately owned. Despite that reality, Fox News is out there saying, watch out for a Democratic FCC commissioner, she'll censor your speech. And the smear campaign has extended across the rest of Rupert Murdoch's media properties. We did reach out to News Corp, the parent company of the Wall Street Journal, and in an email, News Corp Chief Communications Officer Jim Kennedy denied a coordinated attack. He told us, the Wall Street Journal and its editorial board speak for themselves. 
News Corp did not lobby for or against the nomination. Despite this denial of a coordinated attack against Gigi Sohn, the Wall Street Journal and Fox News are still attacking her. There's a lot of like, oh my God, you know, pearl clutching over stray tweets. That's Craig Aaron again. What you see is a lot of quotes taken out of context, a lot of, you know, essentially front groups, like organizations that take a lot of money from big telecom and big cable interests coming out with push polls. A push poll is a poll with very suggestive questions that basically trick people into agreeing with anything you want. Like, oh, uh, I think the police are very concerned because Gigi once said something about encryption or, you know, sort of questioning her stance on rural America and like parsing quotes out of context and suddenly you see it in an ad and then it's on the Wall Street Journal editorial page and then it pops up over here and then all of a sudden a lot of people who literally live to take company money to smear people on their behalf start raising their hand and trying out and saying, oh, I could also say mean things about this candidate and and you start to get this noise floor that you know then reaches policymakers and decision makers. Craig mentioned a Wall Street Journal op-ed, but there have been several journal opinion pieces, including one by the editorial board, with headlines like, A media censor for the FCC? Hyperpartisan Gigi Sohn doesn't belong at the FCC. And my favorite, Gigi Sohn and the police. Democratic senators are at risk if they vote for Biden's progressive FCC nominee. The police thing is something else, by the way. The Fraternal Order of Police published a press release about a poll it commissioned, claiming that when shown messaging about Gigi Sohn's past actions, such as Gigi Sohn has publicly supported defunding the police, what they mean here is liking tweets, 61% of registered voters indicate they are less likely to support Ms. Sohn's nomination. We asked for more information about the specific questions on this poll, but the Fraternal Order of Police declined to comment. Another thing that's added fuel to the Gigi is anti-police fire is that she's also on the board of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, or EFF. You've already heard from the EFF's Catherine Trendacosta. The EFF opposes tech companies turning user information over to the police, and, well, the police don't like that very much. But what Senate Republicans have really grabbed onto are the tweets Craig mentioned. In 2020, Gigi tweeted, For all of my concerns about Facebook, I believe that Fox News has had the most negative impact on our democracy. It's state-sponsored propaganda with few, if any, opposing viewpoints. Where's the hearing about that? Gigi was asked about that one at her first confirmation hearing by Missouri Senator Roy Blunt, a Republican. I've got a list of comments here about Fox News. Are you biased against them? So you're referring to my tweets that are now pretty famous. Uh, I understand they're concerning to some, uh, and anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty direct. But they were made in my role as a public interest advocate. They were made in the context, and I think context is very important, uh, context of of hearings, hearings and and media reports. You know, maybe the tone was a little sharper. Uh, Maybe I should have dulled it a little bit. But again, it was was part of my job, essentially, uh, as a public interest advocate. And do you think they're the only news agency that... um is state-sponsored propaganda. Let me explain. That's your quote, by the way. Yeah, I I know it's my quote, yeah. Um, I I just wanted to complete my thought. My opinions as a public interest advocate will have no bearing on how I behave as a policymaker if I'm confirmed. Another shady actor joining Comcast and the Murdochs on the anti-Gigi team was the American Accountability Foundation. The AAF is a whole other tangent we could go down, 
Jane Meyer did great reporting on them in The New Yorker, which we'll link to in the show notes. But basically, they're a totally mysterious dark money group. No one knows where their funding comes from, but their sole explicit purpose is to smear and obstruct Biden nominees. They come up with wild narratives, especially about lesser-known nominees, and push them until they catch on with conservatives. You might have seen that Marjorie Taylor Greene made the baseless accusation that then-Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson had been lenient on sex offenders during her time as a U.S. District Court judge. She even called her pro-pedophile. Well, it was the AAF that started peddling that story. And Gigi is on the AAF's hit list, too. Actually, she's on the front page of the AAF smear website, bidennoms.com. So while all of this external shadiness was going on to make noise about Gigi's nomination, a bunch of procedural stuff was happening inside the Senate chambers. Lots of boxes need to be checked for a nominee to be confirmed to the FCC. First, the president nominates someone. President Biden took office in January 2021, and he moved quickly on some progressive nominations, like the appointment of Lena Khan to the Federal Trade Commission but he didn't move on the open FCC slot. So by the time he first nominated Gigi in October of 2021, the telecom-driven propaganda machine had had plenty of time to gear up, bracing itself to obstruct the confirmation. The Senate Commerce Committee held Gigi's first confirmation hearing in December 2021. You've already heard some clips from it. At these hearings, different senators on the committee interview the nominee, and then the committee votes on the nominee. If they vote yes, the nomination goes to the Senate floor, where a majority of all U.S. senators have to vote yes to get the nominee confirmed. But likely because of all of the lobbying in opposition to Gigi, the committee failed to advance her nomination to the floor for a confirmation vote, and her nomination expired. So then Biden had to re-nominate Gigi in January of this year, and she had a second confirmation hearing in February. As you might have imagined, the Republicans came out swinging in this one. I don't even know where to begin here. I, I, too, am very disturbed, Hassan, on your tweets. If you're trying to force the hand of the agency, uh, of the lawmaking body of the federal government by doing that which only Congress can do, how is that constitutional? Damn, that's, that's way out there, right? I mean, do you think most Republicans are racist and white supremacists? And I've got to say, Ms. Sohn, the timing of the settlement stinks. I don't see how you can be unbiased. seems to me you have conflicts everywhere, and that makes your impartiality, not to mention your judgment. I think you have very big issues with judgment given your previous tweets. That was Senators Dan Sullivan, Mike Lee, and Ted Cruz, by the way. Eventually, despite all of this, Gigi won the committee's vote, and her nomination went to the Senate floor. But there still hasn't been a floor vote to confirm her to the FCC, even though she was nominated over a year ago. So why didn't the Biden administration push for a floor vote that would have led to Gigi's confirmation? Well, they chose not to, at least not publicly. McKenna Kelly actually asked Senator Schumer about this earlier this month. What is happening with Gigi Sohn? Should we expect her to be confirmed? What's happened? Well, <laughs> they're, you know, right, right now the administration is working on getting the votes for her. They're not there yet but they're uh, pushing hard to get the votes. Here's Carl Bodie. From what I understand, there were some concerns that the nomination of Gigi Sohn uh, early on would have conflicted with their efforts to pass the infrastructure bill. I think they were concerned that uh, any controversy around the nomination of a progressive reformer might cause some additional ripples in efforts to get the votes lined up for infrastructure. 
I'm not sure that's necessarily true, but that's what I understand some of the advisor thinking was that went into the delay. So it sounds like passing that flurry of legislation was prioritized over Gigi's nomination, but we're not really sure. There was some noise that a vote might happen before the Senate's 4th of July recess, but now it's November and the midterms are in just a few days. Comcast was really active in uh, states where Democrats were vulnerable in the midterms. Carl told us that Comcast and other members of Gigi's opposition have specifically targeted Democrats in red or purple states who are worried about getting reelected, spooking those vulnerable Democrats from supporting Gigi. So that's how Republicans and big telecom ground things to a halt. And there was some help from Democrats along the way. I've seen, you know, like Heidi Heitkamp. She's a former Democratic uh, senator who I think is running a little pack that I think the telecom industry is feeding, spreading the idea that Sone is really bad for rural America. Um, so it's bipartisan. I think it's a little heavier on the, the right-wing side since they pretty much have a unified blockade against her nomination. But it is bipartisan. The whole Heidi Heitkamp project is basically suggesting that she's terrible for rural America, which again is not based, I don't care how far you have to dig, it's not based on anything close to fact. Here's the thing, though. Yes, the opposition to Gigi comes from both sides, but so does the support. Gigi has long worked with right-wing news networks that compete with Fox News to make cable systems like Comcast more competitive. She worked with Charles Herring, the president of right-wing OAN, to get his other channel, Wealth TV, onto big cable systems by filing complaints against them. And she worked with Newsmax CEO Chris Ruddy to oppose the merger of Sinclair Broadcasting with the Tribune Media Group, which would have consolidated broadcasting to 73% of U.S. households. These are competition concerns, not speech regulations. So when Gigi was first nominated, Newsmax CEO Chris Ruddy offered his support for her nomination. You heard from him at the top. A reminder, Newsmax is one of the most conservative news outlets in the country. Here's more from our conversation with him. A few years back, I opposed the merger of Sinclair television stations with Tribune, which would have created a massive television channel a station and network that reached 80% and had control over the market of 80% of U.S. television homes. That stat is actually closer to 73%, but, you know. I opposed it and she opposed it. And so I think where you find where we find common interest, um, I tend to support uh, even uh, Democrats that do those, do the issues that I care about. There's been a lot of commentary about Gigi in particular that says she is in support of speech regulations. It seems like you're more worried about competition issues. Are you at all worried about her speech or her tweets, I suppose? I'm actually worried about speech issues, but I don't think that she's ever called for closing down any conservative or any other media that I'm aware of. You know, the criticism of Gigi is that she once said during the issues after the election, I think, in a tweet suggested there should be hearings about Fox News. Okay. And and I think that she said it was Trump TV or something or other. Well, conservatives have said similar things about CNN, and they've called <laughs> CNN the Clinton News Network at one point, I remember, or state-run TV or whatever it is. So, you know, it's political rhetoric. She never, ever called for deplatforming. I know that when I had the issue after the election, people were calling for Newsmax to be deplatformed. We strongly, uh, vigorously had to defend ourselves, and she was sympathetic to the view that, even though she didn't agree with us, that we should have the right to be able to broadcast and exist on the internet, cable, and OTT streaming platforms. 
Where do you think the opposition to Gigi's confirmation comes from? Well, I think a lot of it is that she's been fairly progressive activist, so it's an easy target for Fox and this very highly polarized world. She's also been a very strong supporter of net neutrality. Now, I don't personally like the idea of regulating the internet, that the government should regulate the internet, but I do believe that it should be an open platform, and I do like the basic concepts behind net neutrality, which is that no company can squelch or limit other players on the internet in their access and broadband access. And we've seen it happen on the internet where Newsmax is being limited or algorithms have been used against us by places like Facebook and Twitter and other places. And so it's very concerning to me that some major broadband provider could start squelching access to the Newsmax stream. Now, we're not aware of that happening, but I think protections need to be in place. And so I'm basically in favor of a concept that's similar to net neutrality, but it became such a highly polarized issue, net neutrality. Yeah. I think conservatives actually should support it, but liberals were the ones to sort of back the idea. Again, not the full regulatory concept behind it, but a robust idea that everybody should have access to the internet and it should be like a utility. The other player here is Fox News, which really opposes Sun's domination. Do you think that they're pushing against her because they don't want you to compete with them on Comcast and other cable networks? You know, the cable industry is a bit of a racket, and the big broadcast companies are part of the racket, and they benefit it. The people that get screwed are the consumers, the cable customers. Mm-hmm. And so the way the racket works is if you own a lot of television stations that a local cable company needs, your ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox affiliates, they basically have you over a barrel because if they don't give you your channel, people are going to go to another cable system, right? So Fox has really milked the system and they've been a big beneficiary and they just want to keep that system going. As a side benefit, they also reduce the potential of Newsmax. Everybody's so afraid of Fox. They will seek to destroy you personally if you go against them. And uh, so a lot of people just are quiet about it. Have you talked to anyone in the Biden administration or Senator Schumer about Gigi's nomination and where it stands? Have you pushed for it? I wouldn't discuss like who I personally have chatted with or what particular agency. I can tell you that I have talked to both Democrats and Republicans, but we still support GG Sohn for, for the FCC commission. So Ruddy and Newsmax continue to support GG Sohn's nomination, but something weird is going on at their big competitor, another far-right news channel, OAN. OAN President Charles Herring released a statement supporting Gigi in December of 2021, laying out reasons very similar to Chris Ruddy. But then his dad, OAN CEO Robert Herring, rebuked his son for endorsing her on the OAN airwaves. Here's some bits from that broadcast, but let me set them up for you. First, an OAN anchor calls Gigi an enemy of the First Amendment. Then reporter Pearson Sharp interviews Robert Herring. Here's some of that conversation. Sohn is one of the most extreme leftists anywhere in Washington. In fact, she's not just a radical leftist. She's a Marxist who has absolutely no regard for free speech or the Constitution. Gigi is an enemy of the free press. Where do you stand on her nomination? Do you or does One American News support Gigi Sohn's nomination? 
Well, this is why I had to come on. My son came out and supported her, but the company itself is not supporting them. And at that point, I had to come out and explain for the, there's no way this company would ever support her and no way I'll ever let it happen. How my son decided he wanted to, I don't know. I think that because we worked with her for, uh, not really worked with her, but we've known her since about 2003 or 2004. And she's never done anything for us. My son's out there saying that uh, we support the company, but there's no way. It, she shouldn't be anywhere near the FCC as far as I'm concerned. Now, I know that you personally reached out to Fox News to offer your support, didn't you? I did. Um, I called a couple of people over there that are very high and told them I'm sorry and that we'll try and straighten it out and that we should never have backed her. That's a lot of groveling to Fox News. I mean, wow. So we've talked about who's opposed Gigi and how, but why? Why has Big Telecom gone to such lengths to oppose Gigi's nomination? David Goodfriend explained to us. Rupert Murdoch and Brian Roberts. Brian Roberts is the CEO of Comcast. Are determined not to let the Senate confirm Gigi. Why is that? It all comes down to their business. Comcast is in the broadband business, and they don't want the government telling them what to do. So they don't like net neutrality. In fact, they've really campaigned against net neutrality. The Obama administration put in place the strongest rules ever to preserve an open internet. And Comcast went to war. And the manifestation of that war is their determination not to have Gigi Stone confirmed in the Senate. What about Rupert Murdoch? Well, he wants to buy more properties. He doesn't like uh, a lot of attention to uh, which broadcast stations he owns or which streaming services he owns. And yet Gigi Stone has been very clear that she thinks uh, there should be limits on the amount of concentration in media ownership. So these two billionaires have decided they're trying to stop Gigi Stone. Carl said something similar, mentioning that Telecom wants to prevent the FCC from getting an active and engaged commissioner like the FTC got with Lena Khan. So I think there's a real aversion amongst these telecom giants. They really don't want, you know, a, a progressive reformer in there who's willing to shake things up in any degree. They enjoyed pretty much a captured FCC for four years under Trump. <laughs> And now they've enjoyed an FCC for another two years that basically lacks the voting majority to do anything remotely controversial or anything that the public has demanded that their representatives do. So it's it's corruption. I mean, we can call it a lot of things, but what we're witnessing is just ordinary corruption. It gets justified and dressed up as something more intellectually complicated, but it is just corruption. Verge policy reporter McKenna Kelly reiterated this as well. What they really care about the most, right, is why you keep it two to two is because if Biden has made it clear that he wants to restore net neutrality and you can't do that unless there's three Democratic commissioners, you know, at the agency. McKenna also gave us another example of the kind of problems that arise when the FCC is at a stalemate and largely unable to take action against big telecom. The Biden administration struck a deal with a bunch of telecoms, Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, to basically either lower their lowest uh, broadband plans or make them cheaper, you know, so low-income families would have better access to the internet. And that had nothing to do with the FCC, really. I mean, it's the Affordable Connectivity Program that was passed through Congress, of course, but 
it was just deals that they struck with these companies, and it was just a private market solution. One of the things that really struck me about those deals is that immediately thereafter, Verizon increased its rates. Right. So they got money from the government, and then they increased their rates for their other subscribers. And it seems like that's the sort of thing a functional FCC would be in charge of. But at two to two, it seems like they can't really do much of anything. We asked AT&T for a comment. Here's what the company had to say. We have long supported an open internet, and any suggestion otherwise is wrong. We have not taken a position on Gigi Sun's nomination, have not asked any third-party organization to take a position, and have not funded any campaigns against her nomination. So with the FCC in its current state, big telecom isn't really being regulated. And that's by big telecom's design, as we've heard. But there are other consequences of this weakened FCC. One is that the FCC isn't at full strength to improve access to the internet in rural and underprivileged areas. Craig Aaron from Free Press emphasized how the need to close the digital divide became even more urgent when the pandemic hit. The Federal Communications Commission is the place that sets the rules for how these companies are going to operate, whether they can rip you off, what your choices are going to be. Is there going to be real competition? The FCC has a big role to play. It actually has a lot of power over shaping the kind of internet we're going to have. Is it just going to be Facebook? Is it just going to be dominated by a few players? Or are we actually going to get back to talking about a kind of, you know, big open pipes that make anything possible that is the promise, the original promise of the internet? In fact, the current chair of the FCC herself, Jessica Rosenworcel, Talk to us about this on the Vergecast during the pandemic. I think we need a nationwide plan for addressing the digital divide. As a nation, we need a policy that addresses how we're going to connect all of us and what are the plans we want in place to make sure it happens. So what's going to happen to Gigi Sohn's confirmation into the FCC? There are three possible outcomes here. The most likely scenario is that the vote will happen in the lame duck period, between November and January, when new senators have been elected but haven't yet taken office. Several other FCC commissioners, Symington, Carr, Tate, and Edelstein, were confirmed during the lame duck period, so it's very possible this will happen. Another outcome is that a floor vote on Gigi happens next year with the new Senate. The third possible outcome is that Gigi never gets a vote. The Biden administration gives up and puts forth a new nominee who's more amenable to big telecom. Carl Bode told us he's worried that might happen. But David Goodfriend offered us a silver lining. Well, in some ways, it's a very sad commentary on the outsized influence of a few multi-billion dollar companies on our politics and our public policy. But on the other hand, I've really felt inspired by the amount of support that Gigi is getting. Because it's very rare that you see such a diverse coalition uh, on anything right now. I mean, think about it. Newsmax, one of the most conservative news outlets in the United States, supports her. The Communications Workers of America, a labor union, supports her. And thousands and thousands of individual Americans have gone out of their way to tell their senators, we support her, we like her. When's the last time you found an issue like that in today's Washington? It's rare. So it's inspiring to see how much support there really is for her. And I think she'll be confirmed because she's shown that she has the the medal for it. Look, I don't know what's going to happen with Gigi's nomination. Obviously, it's too late to get it done before the midterms. They're just a few days away. But I do know that if no one fills the seat at the FCC at all, there will be no meaningful change to net neutrality, no push to close the digital divide, 
No emphasis on creating more competition for broadband access. There'll just be a lot of nothing. I also know that Americans pay more money for slower broadband than just about every other country in the world because we have utterly failed to regulate our ISPs. And that is a big problem. You heard at the top of the show that a lot of people and companies wouldn't comment for this episode, but I do want to thank the many people who did. So thanks to Craig Aaron, Carl Bodie, Ernesto Falcone, David Goodfriend, Greg Geis, McKenna Kelly, Chris Ruddy, and Catherine Trenacosta. And thank you for listening to Decoder. I'd love to hear what you think of the show and honestly, this new episode format. You can email us at decoder at theverge.com or hit me up directly. I'm at Reckless on Twitter. If you like Decoder, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you really like Decoder, hit us with that five-star review. And if you tweet about this episode, I will almost certainly retweet you. Decoder is a production of The Verge and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode is written and reported by Jackie McDermott. It was produced by Creighton D. Simone and Jackie McDermott. It was edited by Callie Wright with additional mixing by Andrew Marino. The Decoder Music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive director is Eleanor Donovan. We'll see you next time.